Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Great. Well, good morning. How good to be together today. It's a real pleasure to be able to share with you in the Word this morning. And um, I want to just start with a big shout out to Hot Rock. Can you give me a wave? Give me a wave. Big shout out. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Big shout out from Hot Rock. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get. Great. Well, uh, whether you're new to us this morning, whether you've been with us a long time, it's great to share with you. And um, I want to start with a question this morning, which is this. Do you know which generation you belong to? We sometimes talk about the older generation or the younger generation. Um, Which generation do you belong to? You may have heard the terms the millennials, the baby boomers, Generation X. Well, I recently read an article online from The Independent and I found out that I am part of Generation X. Yeah, okay, got that. So apparently I was born between the mid-1960s and the mid-1980s. Yeah, I tick that box. Apparently I have a really strong work ethic, which I mix really well with a laid-back attitude. Yeah, I haven't got that yet. And apparently, this is astonishing, apparently I am associated with uh, the birth of music genres such as indie, grunge, techno, and one I've forgotten. Who knew? I don't think I got that memo. And I'm not even going to mention the silent generation because I don't think they got the memo either. Yeah, I don't really think I fit in with Generation X. Which generation are you? Hold that thought. So, this morning, we're back in our number series, Making Your Life Count. We've been here for a few months, we've got just a few weeks left. And I want to say that this morning, here we are, with Israel, camped out near the end of numbers. Here we are on the plains of Moab, tantalizingly close to the promised land, but it's still across that river. In the distance, the walled city of Jericho looms. We've got a way to go yet. We're still on the wrong side of the river. You know, the entire generation that had previously refused to go into the promised land when God told them to has died in the wilderness. They died because of their unbelief in God's promise. The only exceptions were Joshua and Caleb, who were men of wholehearted, faithful devotion to the Lord and his instructions. Now, a new census has been taken in chapter 26 of men who are ready to go and fight, ready to go and take the land. Joshua and Caleb are with them. And God has given Moses instructions about how they are to distribute the land once they get there. The plan was that each tribe, each clan, each family group would have their own full portion of the promised land to enjoy and to um, pass on from generation to generation. That was the plan. Now, perhaps at this point, at this pivotal point in uh, the history of Israel, we might expect to be reading about battle plans, about armies training, about warriors stepping forward, offering to go first. So what happens next in Numbers 27 may come as a bit of a surprise. It's a bit unexpected because we read about five young sisters. Let's read it. We're going to look at Numbers 
We're going to start reading at the end of chapter 26, verse 64. We're picking up the story where there's just been a list of the names of those from the second census. And it says this in verse 64. But among them, the names of the second census, there was not one of those who had been registered by Moses and the priest Aaron when they registered the Israelites in the wilderness of Sinai. That was the first census. For the Lord had said to them that they would all die in the wilderness. None of them was left except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. The daughters of Zelophehad approached. Zelophehad was the son of Hepher, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. These were the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. They stood before Moses, the priest Eliezer, the leaders, and the entire community at the entrance to the tent of meeting and said, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not among Korah's followers who gathered together against the Lord. Instead, he died because of his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan? Since he had no son, give us property among our father's brothers. Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord answered him, What Zelophehad's daughters say is correct. You are to give them hereditary property among their father's brothers and transfer their father's inheritance to them. Tell the Israelites, when a man dies without having a son, transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And that section ends with these words. This is to be a statutory ordinance for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. So let's meet the daughters of Zelophehad. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. Their father Zelophehad belonged to one of the clans, one of the family groups of the tribe of Manasseh, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He could trace his family back to Abraham. These five sisters came from true, authentic Israelite stock. They were young. We find out later on that they were not married. So it's very likely that these five young women were early teens. Some of them may be just girls. They were very young. So we don't know anything else about them, but here they are, standing in front of the tabernacle, in front of their leaders and and the elders of of the Israelites and all the important people. Here they are, standing, asking a very important question. In verse 4, they say, Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan? Since he had no son... Give us property among our father's brothers. So what was their issue here? What's going on? Well, it was all to do with how the promised land was going to be distributed to the Israelites. When the previous generation had refused to go in, God said to them, you won't go in, but I will bring your children into the land you rejected and they will enjoy it. Okay, good. That sounds fine so far. These five sisters were Zelophehad's children. But the problem was that the land was going to be given on the basis 
of all the names of the sons written in that census. That was going to be how it was distributed because in those days, only sons inherited from their father, daughters didn't. It's just how it was. It was expected daughters would marry, they would be provided for by their husbands and their husband's family. Daughters didn't inherit. So Zelophehad's daughters saw the problem. If there was no son, it meant there was no one to carry on the family name in that census. If there's no one to carry on the family name in the census, then Zelophehad's portion of land wouldn't come to his children. And if he didn't have a portion of land, it would be like Zelophehad had been forgotten. In some ways, it would be as if God hadn't come good on his promise to Zelophehad. It would almost be as if God had never promised it in the first place. But God had promised. And so even though they were not in the promised land yet, even though there would be enemies and battles and conquests to face, even though there was no precedent for daughters to inherit, even though they were young, maybe even though they were women, these five young sisters stepped right up in front of Moses and the priest and the whole community and they asked for their father's inheritance. Wow! It was a big and unprecedented thing to ask for. And they'd never even owned land. Could they really be trusted to carry the responsibility of God's promised land that was to be there for generations and generations as a sign of his covenant? Well, God had promised. Moses asks God and God says, yes, give them the land. Fantastic. Why did they do it? Was it greed? Were they kind of the stepping up for women's rights? I, I don't think so. I believe it was because they had faith. They had faith in the God of the covenant who had chosen them to be his own special people, who had promised to bring them in the good land across from the Jordan River. They had faith to step up faith to make their lives count. They had faith to receive the promises and so, in so doing, release generations into God's promised land. I don't think it's any coincidence that we read right at the end of chapter 26 that all of the previous generation died, except Joshua and Caleb. And then the very next sentence begins, the daughters of Zelophehad approach. Literally, they come near. The previous generation, characterized by unbelief and disobedience, had all died. And now the new generation, characterized by faith and obedience, steps up. And Marla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza come and they literally stand in line with Joshua and Caleb older and younger, men and women, leaders and those who were famous in the land, standing next to those who were unknown and from unexpected quarters. Wow. This was generation faith. Generation faith. 
If we think about faith, perhaps one of the most famous verses, if we've been around in churches for a while, if we're reading our Bibles, is Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Hot rock, are you ready? Because you'll need this for your sheets. So Hebrews chapter 1 says this, faith is the assurance of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. There's so much we could say about that. But the thing that's gripped me is the word assurance. I sometimes like to look up what these Greek words mean. And there are some great resources you can use to do that. And I find it really helpful sometimes. It just brings another layer of light into the situation for me. And um, in the Greek, this word assurance comes from two words that literally mean standing under. Standing under under. And when that word is used, this is what it means. It means to possess something by standing under a guaranteed agreement. That is, having a legitimate claim entitling someone to what is guaranteed under that agreement, like a legal standing. And faith is taking a stand, taking hold of something, taking action on the basis of what God has guaranteed. What is our legitimate claim? And that's what we see here in Numbers 27. The faith of these five young women prompted them to take action on the basis that they had a legitimate claim to inherit the promised land because it was guaranteed under the covenant God had made with his people. The land did not belong to the Israelites. They'd not even set foot in it. So what appeared to be in front of them was a vast floodplain to cross. The heavily fortified city of Jericho to conquer before ever they got any further in the land. That was what appeared to be there. But what they saw with their faith glasses on, hot rock, you'll know what I mean. Lots of people won't, but I know you'll know. If you went to Bible Week a couple of years ago, you'll remember it, faith glasses on. What they saw was their father's land. What they saw was their inheritance. What they saw was a land flowing with milk and honey, a spacious land, one where they would flourish and prosper for generations. That's what they saw. And, uh, you know, this story of Zelophehad's daughters is just such a beautiful and courageous example for us of generation faith in action. I asked earlier whether you know which generation you belong to. Well, all of us who know and belong to Jesus belong to generation faith. Faith is the gift of God. That is how we are saved by grace. We all have faith. God gives us that divine persuasion. I think of it as an inner oomph that assures us of everything God has said and everything God has promised. And you know, above all other ways in which people or even ourselves might categorize us, I believe that we are right now at this pivotal point in the plans and purposes of God, Generation Faith. We have been born again for such a time as this. 
We know from Hebrews that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have received a new and better covenant based on better promises. Romans tells us when Paul writes that we are God's children, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Wow, <laughs> can we take that in for a moment? Oh, it's too much. Do you know we have a legitimate claim to all that God has promised, all that we can confidently expect from his word, even though we cannot see it yet. Every promise guaranteed with a yes and amen in Christ. And you know, we're part of God's advancing kingdom. And as such, generation faith are always going to be on its advancing edge, seeing by faith where to make the next move in order to see God's kingdom come generation after generation in fullness. The story of Zelophehad's daughters is a great one. And I just want us to look for a moment at three characteristics of generation faith that these sisters demonstrate because we need to take these on board and there's something for us in these three things we're going to look at now. Hot Rock, are you ready? Because you're going to need these for your sheets. Ready? Okay, here we go. Number one, faith asks. Faith asks for what God has promised. You know, we have direct access to the throne of God in prayer so had's daughters had to come through someone else to ask God, but we have direct access to ask God at any time, wherever we are, in any situation. We can come and ask him about the things he's promised in his word. We can come and ask him to see some of those things come to fruition in our lives and the lives of those around us. This is a time to up our asking, both individually and together as Generation Faith. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about faith and asking, and I wish we could look into it in more detail, but I just want to share these few clips from the Gospels for our encouragement. From Matthew 7, he tells us God is our good Father who gives good gifts. He is the how much more Father. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you we can ask confidently and expectantly. Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow, Jesus teaches us to keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. I love this story of the Syrophoenician woman in Mark 7, really worth looking at. You know, sometimes uh, we can feel, and sometimes other people might think this of us, that we're the wrong person asking at the wrong time for something we're not entitled to. But faith asks. And that wonderful lady got what she asked for. It's a great, great story to read. I'm reminded in Matthew 8 of the, of the faith of the centurion. He was asking Jesus for something no one else was asking. And yet he felt so unworthy to ask. And sometimes we can feel like that. We can feel, who am I to ask God for these things? Who am I to ask God to see this promise fulfilled? But he counts us worthy. We are his worthy children. We can ask. So faith asks. Number two, faith obeys. 
There's another section in this story with Zelophehad's daughters that we don't get to till right at the end of Numbers, chapter 36. I'll just give you a bit of background. So the women have been told that they can inherit their father's land and then someone realises, hey, if they marry someone in a different tribe, then what happens is the land they've inherited switches to that other tribe. And that's not God's purpose. God's purpose was that every tribe would have their full provision of promised land that would stay with them for generation to generation. So what happens? Moses asks the Lord and the Lord brings the reply. And this is what the Lord um, commanded Moses in chapter 36, verse 6. This is what the Lord has commanded concerning Zelophehad's daughters. They may marry anyone they like, provided they marry within a clan of their ancestral tribe. No inheritance belonging to the Israelites is to transfer from tribe to tribe because each of the Israelites is to retain the inheritance of his ancestral tribe. They were not to lose any of it. It says in verse 10, the daughters of Zelophehad did as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 12, they married men from the clans of Manasseh and their inheritance remained within the tribe of their father's clan. These women demonstrated their faith in the promises of God by obeying his instructions. And in doing so, they didn't lose any of all that God had promised them. That's really important. And as generation faith, obedience is really important for us. Obedience to the instructions in God's word. Obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit when you get that inner oomph to take action. Obedience will usher us into the fullness of God's promise. And it will see many others ushered into the fullness of the kingdom of God. Our families... How about our neighbours, our communities? I believe by our obedience to God's instructions in the Holy Spirit, we can bring the kingdom of God to communities and to nations. Faith obeys. Number three, faith perseveres. We want to know the end of the story, right? Well, I don't know that we know the whole story. In fact, I'm sure we don't. But we do catch up with these five sisters again. But we have to sneak into the book of Joshua to do so. So I'm just doing that this morning. Just one verse, if that's all right. So I don't know how much time had passed, but Israel were now in the promised land. There had been conflicts. There had been battles along the way. But the land was now conquered and in a position to be given out, distributed to the Israelite tribes and family groups. And the daughters of Zelophehad did not forget God's promise. Joshua 17 verse 4 says this. They, that's the five sisters, mentioned all by name again. They came before the priest Eliezer, Joshua son of Nun, and the leaders, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our male relatives. So they gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers, in keeping with the Lord's instructions, and they were given land. They received their inheritance. You know, it's really interesting. The next chapter in Joshua speaks of nine tribes, I think it's nine, who delayed taking up their portion of the promised land, and they were rebuked for it. 
not these five women. They were there reminding, God said this, God said this, God said this, can we have our land? And they had the courage to take hold of what God had promised, to see it come to, full, 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 see it come to full, fullness. Faith keeps going. It keeps going. Faith perseveres. Faith pursues. Faith doesn't forget the promise, but takes hold of it to see it come through. Faith perseveres. Like I said, I believe we, all of us, who know Jesus belong to Generation Faith. And in this, in this account in Numbers, I believe the Holy Spirit is, uh, uh, is calling out faith from among us today. Amen. I think this story is here telling us this is the time to make our lives count. This is the time to ask boldly, to obey swiftly and persevere to take hold of all that Christ has taken hold of us for to exhibit faith, to make disciples of every nation. Faith to bring good news to the poor. Faith to heal. Faith to bring freedom. Faith to rebuild, to restore, to renew. It's time to step up as Generation Faith because our faith impacts others. Think about these women. They essentially rewrote the future for many other women in Israel and many families and generations to come. Because this principle of daughters inheriting their father's land was put in the law. And so it brought others into the fullness of that promise. Think about that. By faith, we can rewrite futures for people. We can write new futures. We can write stories of hope for those around us in our neighborhoods and communities by acting on faith, by bringing God's kingdom. And I believe the Holy Spirit is calling out faith from unexpected quarters among us. These five women were unknown, unheard of. They were not the ones you would expect to step up for all sorts of reasons. The Holy Spirit is calling out faith from unexpected quarters among us this morning. You may not have been part of Living Rock Church for very long, you may be more comfortable with the back row than the front row or the middle ground. You may feel like, I, I can't do what P does or I, I can't do what she does. But I want to say you have faith because God gives us faith. And your faith is essential to all of us. As you stand under what, what God has said and what you see in his word, and as you act in it, that's you, that's what we need, all of us, to be acting as generation faith. Your faith is just as essential as the faith of leaders. Yeah. Hot rock. We talked about your faith glasses. I do hope some of you know what I mean. That this hasn't completely escaped you, but I think, I'm sure you do. We talked about your faith glasses. Hot rock. Sometimes with your faith glasses on, you can see things that God is doing that other people can't see that adults have missed. I want to encourage you, put your faith glasses on. Ask God about what you read in the Bible. Ask God what he's doing in your family, in your school, with your friends, and tell us. Tell your parents, tell your hot rock leaders, tell them what God is doing, so that together we can all join together and live by faith. 
You can see things no one else can. You are really essential. Youth, <clears throat> sorry, youth. These five sisters, it occurred to me, had, well, I'm pretty sure they'd never owned land before. I don't know how much they had to learn about planting crops, about looking after sheep or cattle, about uh, how to build a house, about how to build cities. I'm sure they had lots of help. But they had never owned land before. And I just, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit calls us to do things we've never done before. Sometimes the Holy Spirit calls us to things that we've never seen done before. We can look at people and say, I can't do that, but he will show you what to do. And I want to encourage you, it's time to step up, Generation Faith, to be ready to take on what you see God doing in his word and be prepared to do it for the first time and the second time and to keep going because you will enable others to follow in your example. Your faith is essential. And um, maybe some of us have the occasional moment of thinking, well, 20 years ago, that would have been me, maybe 40 years ago. I, I would have been at the front with all the rest. But, you know, as time goes by, it's really time for the, for the, the young generation to step forward. I, I want to encourage us, if we have a little bit of that inside of us, which we often can, I want to encourage us to read about Caleb in Joshua 14. His story is amazing. And he shows us that faith has no retirement plan. Yeah. Generation faith. It's time to step up, to step up our asking, to step up our obedience and to persevere for such a time as this. Yeah. I want to finish with some words from Hebrews 12 and then Rich is going to lead us in um, response and prayer. Hebrews 12. So in Hebrews 11, there's a whole record of people who lived by faith and accomplished amazing things for God. One after one, you read, by faith, by faith, by faith, they did this. We've had the example this morning of, of Marla, of Noah, of Hogler, of Milka and Tirzah, who stood in line with Joshua and Caleb, who were full of faith. So I want to say, generation faith, let us stand with them and receive our commission. Here is Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.